Well, last week uh, we looked at this verse that we're going to look at today, but we looked at it from a different chapter or a different book of the Bible. We looked at it from Mark, and as we talked about, uh, if that's Christianity, count me, and you were supposed to add a word to that, count me in or count me out. And within that uh, section of Scripture, Jesus raised a question. Today we're going to look at it from Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 26. Jesus said, For what shall a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, the importance of a question, it seems to me, is based on the person who's asking it. Uh, and Jesus asked this question. He asked it because he knew it would be recorded, and he knew down through the ages uh, that men would read it, that they would hear about it, and that they would have to ask it of themselves, that they would be forced to confront this question in their own heart. What will I be profited? What will I gain if I gain the whole world and forfeit my soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Everybody ought to seriously ask that question. As a matter of fact, we ask it, we said last week, we ask it about things on a daily basis, is it worth it? Is it worth the price to pay for that car? Is it worth the price to pay uh, for that outfit? Is it worth the, the price to pay for that meal? We, we look at things every day and we ask that question about less important things. Is it worth it? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my money? But seldom, seldom do we ask the question, is it worth my soul? So wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, However you're living, is it worth it? Is it worth your soul? Look at the verse again, Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There are several things I want you to see this morning from this little verse of Scripture. Number one, in asking this important question, Jesus affirms the existence of the soul, the existence of the soul. I had a New Testament professor who always emphasized man doesn't have a soul. He is a soul. That is exactly what the Bible says within the first few pages. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed into him the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Your soul is who you are. It's not separated from you or a part of you. It is you. It is your being. It's the you who created. You're created capable of having a relationship with God. It is you made in God's image as a thinking, a spiritual person, an individual responsible before God. So the soul links us to God makes us capable of having fellowship with God. The soul longs for God. The soul reaches for God. The soul needs God. My soul needs God. Your soul needs God. Every person on this planet is a living soul created so by God himself. Of all that you have, of all your possessions, of all that the world has to offer in terms of fame and power and popularity, there's nothing more value of more value than one single soul. 
Now, if you're a business person, you're interested in the bottom line. Uh, how much will it cost? What will be my profit? Uh, what will be my loss? And, and if that's the way you think, Jesus has this calculation for you. For what shall a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So first, Jesus suggests he affirms the existence of the soul. Second, by, in this verse, second, he suggests by this very question that a person's soul can be lost. Not long ago, I was reading in a paper about the profits of the Mississippi casinos. Now, what do casinos have to do with this? Well, it talked about all the money that a certain casino had won from gamblers. I thought about that. That was interesting to me. The casino had won. If the casino had won that much money from the gamblers, what does it mean about the gamblers? It means that they lost. My dad was a gambler when he joined the army. He told me that story, and my mom tells me the story over and over, and I guess he told it to her. He joined the service back in the 40s, right, right close to the end of World War II, and uh, his first month in the Army, he gambled, and he lost his paycheck, and he had to go without it for a month, and as a teenage serviceman, he vowed never to gamble again. It was not worth the risk of loss. It's one thing to gamble with your paycheck, it's an entirely different thing to gamble with your soul. Jesus said the soul can be lost. The soul made for eternity, the soul that lives forever, can be forever lost. Look at how Jesus said it. He said, what shall a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Gaining is profit. Gaining is winning. Gaining is good. But on the other side, Jesus uses the word forfeit, forfeit. In the world of sports, forfeit means to lose. It can mean to lose without having the chance to play. Or it, mean, it can mean to win the game and then uh, by some rule infraction to be required to give up, to give that win up as a loss. So it means to lose or to be deprived of property, a right or a privilege, as a penalty for wrongdoing. This is what the word forfeit means. It means a fine or penalty for wrongdoing or for a breach of the rules in a club or a game. It means something lost or surrendered as a penalty for wrongdoing or neglect. The soul may be lost, forfeited at the end of life, regardless of what you might gain. So Jesus said, what shall a man be profited what will he gain if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Not only may the soul be lost, but in this question, Jesus is indicating that the soul without him, the soul without Christ, is lost. You've heard it said uh, on occasion that a person sold their soul to the devil. Is that possible? Well, it might be if the devil uh, didn't have a pretty good grip on it already. Uh, Paul encouraged young Timothy to preach in such a way in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. He said, I want you to preach in such a way so that souls may be set free from their captivity to the devil. He said, so that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil 
having been held captive by him to do his will. No man is free apart from Christ. He's the slave of the devil, the slave of sin. You're in his trap. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 34, whoever commits sin is the slave of sin. And so the mission of Christ coming into the world was to seek and save that which is lost. The souls of men, women, boys, and girls not only may be lost, they are lost apart from Christ. And you know, we talked about loss some time ago, and we talked about loss, meaning lost not just to the person, not just that the person is out there somewhere and they don't know where they are, but the loss is a loss to God because of the value the soul has to God. Lostness is determined by one's relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read in this passage of Scripture, we read it last week from the book of Mark, we see it this week from the book of Matthew, getting back to that chapter in verse 25, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Man is a living soul, made so by God. Man's soul may be, may be lost, and apart from Christ, a person is lost. The soul is lost. And not only does Jesus say all these things in, these ver in this verse, but also he says by this verse that a person's soul is valuable. First, it ought to be valuable to the person himself. Some years ago in England, there were a couple of students who found an old beanbag that had been abandoned on the side of the street. And you know how college students are. They were doing their best to get by, making do, and that looked like something neat, so they brought it to their room, and, and they thought they would sit on it. And in the process of cleaning up, they found a little bit of cash sticking out of the side of it. And they opened that old beanbag, and stuffed in that beanbag was $20,000 in cash. Now, the couple who discarded the beanbags had bought them in a thrift store some years before, but discarded it, not knowing what was inside. Would you throw $20,000 out on the side of the road? Neither would I. Uh, but if you don't know the value of something, you don't know how valuable it is, you might lose it. You might throw it away. How valuable is the human soul? Jesus said it has more value than the whole world. The whole world. Think of it. One soul. What will it profit a man if he should gain the whole world, all the money in the world, all the houses in the world, all the popularity in the world, all the power in the world does not have the value of the soul that God placed inside you. The soul of one person has value. One person, wherever they are, whoever they are, in India, in Saudi Arabia, in Romania, down the street from you, that soul has value to God, more value than all the world. That's what Jesus said. 
That's how he placed value on a human soul. So, what is the bottom line? Is it worth it? What will a person be profited if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? Nothing at all. It's a catastrophic loss. He's not investigated the worth of his own soul. So how do you, how do you measure a soul's value? Well, uh, how do we know how much value that it has? Well, we know by the value that God placed on it. What would God give in exchange for the soul of one person? What would God give to ransom one soul from captivity to sin and Satan? In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the value that God places on the souls of men. So what will a man give? in exchange for his soul. What can a man give that will free his soul from captivity to Satan? Now, we need to ask that question because we're talking about what can you do? What, can, what action can you take? What uh, ransom can you give for your own soul? Can you give your goodness to ransom your soul? Let's say you might not give your goodness, but let's say if you could borrow some of Brother Doug's goodness. That wouldn't be much, would it, Brother Doug? Let's say if you could borrow my goodness. Well, let's just say we could borrow Billy Graham's goodness, and we take Doug's goodness and my goodness and Billy Graham's goodness. Robert, you don't have any goodness. We couldn't borrow yours. But let's just say we could borrow some goodness. Let's say we could borrow the goodness of all the people in the world, all the righteous deeds of all the people in the world and say, God, all of this goodness, can we offer it to you in exchange for one single soul? You know what the Bible says? All our righteous deeds piled up in a single pile, placed before God as something worthwhile, are as filthy rags in the sight of God. There is no goodness in me. There is no goodness in you. The combined goodness of the world measured from our point of view is worthless in the eyes of God. You cannot ransom your soul. There's nothing you can give. To balance that out, not a million, not $10 million, not the national debt of the United States. What will buy a man's soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus raised that question because there's only one answer to that. Only one answer, only one hope, only one solution. And that is the death of God's own son on the cross. Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you and me, Jesus placing himself on the cross as your substitute and my substitute, he died for me. He died for you. That is what a man can say, I need to exchange for my soul the death of God's own son on the cross because that's my only hope. Have you done that? 
Now, I know here you are, here you sit in a Baptist church, and it's the 8.30 crowd, and you're here because you want to be. You don't have to be on this cold day. You're here because you want to be. But what are you counting on? What are you depending on to make things right between you and God? Is it something you've done? You know, one of the things I want to emphasize to little children when they come down and they say, I want to be baptized, that does nothing. It really does nothing. Being baptized does nothing. It has no value. It has no value. I probably told you the story about a little boy that I talked to some years ago. And I was ta actually talking to his sister about being baptized and becoming a Christian. And we were talking about the process. And he, he raised a question. He said, and he had a little speech impediment. He said, Boto Eddie, he said, if that water in the baptistry can take sin out of you, how come the water in the swimming pool can't? And his name was Steve. And I said, Steve, how do you know it can't? He said, I twat it once and it didn't work. And it doesn't work. It will never work. Nothing you can do will change you. Nothing you can do will ransom your soul. Nothing you can give, no amount of your goodness, no amount of your good works, but the only thing you can rest your salvation on is that Jesus Christ loved you and died for you. Not all the world could you offer to God all the money in the world, all the riches in the world, all the goodness in the world could you offer to God for your single soul. But Jesus Christ offered himself on the cross to ransom your soul, that your soul might be saved, that you might spend eternity in heaven. And should you stand before God and offer him anything else, God will say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. What will a man give in exchange for his soul. Let's pray. Lord, as we stand before this scripture today, help us, God, to seriously consider this question that you raised. We know we, you created us to have a relationship with you. And God, our soul longs for you. We try to fill that need with other things sometimes, but it still leaves us empty a meaningless existence unless we have a relationship with you. So Lord, I pray for those today whose relationship might be broken because they've stepped out of fellowship with you. I pray for those, Lord, who may not have a relationship at all because they don't know you as Lord and Savior. I pray for those who need to be saved today, whose soul needs to be ransomed by placing their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God, you have your way in their hearts and lives today, I pray in Jesus' name.